This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury, and of course, welcome to Tech Talk this morning. Let's rewind a little back, uh, a little bit in time, and think about that time uh, when you were a little bit younger, and your teachers ask you um, to predict the future somewhat. You know, imagine what things would be like in 2020 or 2021, maybe even 2022. Uh, in my case, I think they said, think what things are going to be like in 1999, uh, and of course. You know, you were asked to draw pictures of what you saw and you might have drawn flying cars, you might have drawn robots and, you know, spaceships and that kind of thing. Now, um, one of the things that a lot of kids would have drawn would have been flying cars. And of course, um, we don't really have flying cars as of yet, but we do have things like autonomous technology. And you've heard about me, uh, you've heard me talk about this on the show quite a few times. And we look at things like drones, and we talk about things like Tesla, who have automated technology built in. But there's also much more simpler things that we have in our homes already. Things like the Roomba, or the little robot vacuum cleaner that, you know, goes across the floor and hits your cat, but does all of that stuff. But it has really interesting tech inside. Uh, There's stuff like AI, so it learns about your house uh, in collaboration with machine learning. So it maps rooms, it avoids the table legs and most pets. Um, Now, this is a very convenient thing in our daily lives. Now, imagine what that kind of technology can do on a bit of a larger scale. So with me on the phone today, I have uh, Hazik Faris. He is the CEO of Reka. Now, Reka is a research and development company that specializes in facilitating human technology interaction through um, IoT sensing, data visualization, and autonomous systems that are now in use within organizations across a variety of sectors. Welcome to the show, Hazik. Hi, uh, thanks, Richard. Thanks for having me here today. My absolute pleasure, Hazik. First of all, just just tell me a little bit more ab- about Rekka. I mean, I've, I've told people you know, what it is as an umbrella term. What do you guys do? Okay, yeah. So to put it simply, like you mentioned, um, Rekka is an R&D company. Mm-hmm. And that what is, that essentially entails is that we build technology or product for our organizations that might be uh, a bit hard for uh, for you to actually find there in the market. Mm-hmm. So uh, we dive deep into the science and technology behind a lot of the, of the products that we need to build for our, for organizations, and and we deliver it uh, uh, as an engineering um, tool. So there's there's a lot of things that, that we do here. It ranges from very simple your your typical mobile application systems, uh-huh. websites, all the way to artificial intelligence, biomedical applications, and autonomous systems. So it ranges quite a bit in terms of what we do here at Rekha, mm. uh, but it all it is under the science and technology uh, research. Can you give me like um, a real-world use case? So if somebody said to you, uh, tell me about one of the products that you're working on currently, uh, can you give me an example? Okay, sure. So um, 
Um, okay, let's say for okay, so you, maybe probably I can start with how it, uh, most of our uh, uh, technology starts uh, mm. development starts right. So usually when an organization comes to us, then they have very specific pain and problems. Uh, for instance, like uh, they uh, their production line is going a bit slow. Mm-hmm. Like that. So what we do is that we send a team to assess uh, what is actually the root cause of the problem and probably they just need uh, like a system, a mobile app that, that they need to uh, use to organize or schedule their operations, right? right? Or maybe they need to be a bit more high-tech. They need to have robots running around picking things up and sending it off to different checkpoints and then it it can be that as well. So it's a variety of things that, that we could potentially um, help with our uh, our customers or clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we go down in, in depth into the field and try to understand what's the root cause of the problem and how try to fit in what kind of technology that is best used for um, their situation. Right. Yeah. So when we rewind, and like I said at the, the beginning of the show, when the teacher would ask you to sit down and imagine what the world was going to be like in 2020 or 2022, what were you drawing, Hazik? Well, um, not to be, not to sound too cliche, but I do also draw my own version of a flying car as well. <laughs> <laughs> because I grew up in a time where there's a lot of shows or even cartoons at the time that it um, shows that that portrays that as the future, right? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like ingrained into my my head that okay, hey, in the future this is how it's gonna look like. So right. yeah, typically a flying car would be would be at the top of the list <laughs> somewhere in there at least. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah Okay, uh, now obviously one of, one of the biggest kind of uh, manufacturers that we we hear about in in the globally in terms of autonomous vehicles and the use of, and in fact, the one that's, I, I suppose, mo- most highlighted and lauded is, is Tesla, all right? We, yeah. we hear a lot about their autonomous uh, vehicles and the tech behind that anyway. What about um, what's happening here um, within that industry in Malaysia? You know, autonomous vehicle industry, uh, electric car industry. I mean, I do a car show as well, so I know roughly where it is but for the people who don't listen to a car show what's the autonomous vehicle industry like here in malaysia okay so the autonomous vehicle um industry here in malaysia um is still very much in its infancy uh, stage uh, because there's not a lot of players first that you don't have a lot of players here in malaysia that are actually pursuing autonomous vehicles mm. and secondly the uh, ecosystem to actually support the development and deployment of autonomous vehicle here in Malaysia is still uh, pretty much underway, but it's not there yet. Right. So, um, like I said, it's pretty much in, in infancy rate. And it's not just here in Malaysia. Technically, in this uh, region, this is also uh, more or less the situation. Yeah. Although there are a lot of um, companies, tech startups, or even um um, other big companies they are trying to do a lot of testing a lot of pilot here within this region mm-hmm. but there's you would still expect quite a long time for an actual autonomous vehicle to go down the road uh, for commercial use or for uh, public use right right now what, what I mean if I was to ask you directly why yeah. do you think it's taking so long here in Malaysia I mean Infrastructure, I'd imagine, would be one of the bigger issues. Obviously, we don't have a lot of charging points for things like electric cars. Um, 
in your mind, what do you think are the, the main issues that's holding us back from pushing out and really going uh, strongly on the development of this tech? Okay, so there's there's a few. Uh, I would say there's a few uh, variables that we need to take a look in terms of deployment mm. of autonomous vehicles, right? Um, in terms of technology, uh, uh, that that's the pretty much uh, much more simpler uh, thing, right? In terms of technology, um, we're pretty much stable. A lot of com- uh, countries, a lot of companies have technically get the tech down right already. Right. But then it's not just about technology when you talk about vehicles or cars. It's uh, basically uh, what we, we've we been using for the last hundreds of years or so. So it's pretty much our day-to-day life. So there's a lot of factors that we need to take a look. First is regulation. Yeah. Uh, uh, How is the regulation here in Malaysia? And right now, Malaysia, uh, fortunately, we do have uh, already a guideline. The government has already um, had um, a policies in place to actually accommodate the testing of autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. And this was like uh, very much uh, recently, uh, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, sometime last year, that they actually had a policy. And uh, it actually helps us in actually um, building the vehicle to meet that kind of policy standards. And that's, that's one of the um, variables. Uh, second, obviously, like you mentioned, like infrastructure, that is partly one of the bigger or I would say major challenges here in Malaysia mm. because it's not uh, for autonomous vehicle, it's not just um, the vehicle itself needs to be smart, but the infrastructure itself needs to sort of like communicate and talk to the vehicle so that it can be a bit more mm. uh, robust. It can be a bit more responsive to any road conditions. And yes, like you mentioned as well, uh, electric uh, charges. So most if not all autonomous vehicles um, are are using electric vehicles, yeah. so obviously charging stations are a must moving forward. And we do see that kind of um, deployment here in Malaysia, but again, there's not a lot of coverage uh, when we look at it as a as a whole nation. Mm-hmm. So if we were to actually adopt autonomous vehicles, uh, you probably be concentrated in the city areas, especially in uh, KL. Right. And, okay. Yeah. Sorry, carry yeah. on, please. Yeah, and just to mention, like, lastly, I think one of the main barriers uh, for adaptation would be the perception, uh, the people's perception. Whether mm. or not you are comfortable to actually have um, uh, a non, non-driver non driving your vehicle. Uh, something they, else making those decisions for yeah, you. Yeah, something else making those decisions. Because we do have people that, you know, have some sort of um, skepticism about... Yeah. The safety and security of yeah. AI in general, right? Yeah, yeah. Even if you have the technology regulation uh, down, but with uh, AI uh, trustworthiness, I, I guess it's something that is still a major issue. And, you know, people are, uh, and you have the sentiment of whether or not AI is going to be taking over our jobs as drivers yes. and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it, might, it might not be a major factor, but this, for the past few years when we've been in this area, we do have this kind of sentiments uh, being thrown around every time uh-huh. we uh, strike a conversation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's just take a short break here, Hazik. Yeah, sure. No 
folks, uh, you tune into Tech Talk. I'm Rich Bradbury. I'm on the phone with uh, Hazik Faris. He is the CEO of Reka. They're a research and development company that specializes in facilitating human technology interaction through IoT sensing, data visualization, and autonomous systems that are now in use within organizations across a variety of sectors. We're talking about autonomous vehicles. We're talking a little bit about electric cars, all of the stuff that's involved with that, of course. Now, we'll be talking about strategy and rollouts of autonomous tech a little bit later on. You tune into Tech Talk. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9. Bribe-free ministers? BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Welcome back to Tech Talk. I'm speaking with Hazik Faris. He is the CEO of Reka, a research and development company specializing in facilitating human tech interaction through IoT sensing, data visualizations, and autonomous systems. Uh, we were just speaking a little bit um, before the break, Hazik, about this issue of trust uh, amongst um, you know people and putting their trust into stuff like autonomous vehicles. Um, and I think one of the reasons, and you briefly touched upon it, is um, this idea of AI taking over our jobs, you know, and we've spoken at length about it on the show about it's not necessarily something that's going to happen. If AI does become a lot more powerful, it's likely that they'll be kind of supporting the work that you do uh, rather than taking away uh, a lot of the work that we do. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And this is something that we constantly talk to or advocate to our public and to our customers as well. Mm. Because when because a lot of what we do here is we're involving automation in day-to-day life to make operations a bit more easier, right? And it's not about AI or robots taking over your job. It's how you can uh, make your job easier. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the, the mindset that, that we try to uh, instill uh, on uh, in people because uh, te- technically AI, technology, all of these are just tools, right, for us mm. to actually get the job done. Mm. And we use this tool to actually make us a bit more easier, a bit more faster. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not replacing anyone's job because at the end of the day, it's all about uh, what you want to sort of like achieve at the mm-hmm. end. Right. So using these AIs can make you achieve those goals faster and much more efficient than mm-hmm. you might not use them or or utilize what, what you have, right? Yeah. Right. I mean let let's go back specifically to um automated vehicles, for example. Um and when we look at places, you know, like uh, the US and, and like uh, certain cities within Europe and, and even China in some places, we hear about the success of automated vehicles driving on roads. Um, and what we forget when we talk about these places is that a lot of these places where they are successful are on fairly long, fairly straight roads. Uh, but then you look at places like KL, for example, um, and I don't think there's a fairly long, fairly straight road within the entirety of the Klang Valley. You know, So there's an entirely different set of challenges, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Those are uh, two different challenges. So in terms of um, when you do autonomous vehicle, 
uh, and especially when you're looking to passenger class, mm. that you have that the um, long haul kind of vehicles. Mm-hmm. So these are uh, in the in the states uh, usually are for um, those big trucks that carries a lot of um, uh, heavy payloads. So haulage, haulage, really. Uh, yeah, right? haulage, haulage mm-hmm. trucks. So those the, those are uh, a lot of uh, some companies they do implement autonomous vehicles because it's a straight road. And they can run twenty four seven without stop right. or rest, right? Yeah. Um. And and that's one classification for high highways. You do have another type where it's in uh, urban cities, and this is uh what is much more challenging because, and and this changes from places to place, location to location, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is because culturally it's different from, um, different places. You in the states or here in Malaysia. Your way of driving is t- totally different. Yes, are different infrastructures are different. Yeah, and you have those um, small little um, idiosyncrasies that that you might not be here in Malaysia, but that's in the states or vice versa. Mm-hmm. For instance, mm-hmm. like here in Malaysia, you will have jaywalkers, but that's yes. everywhere, right? And <laughs> yes. they can be very sudden, uh, very abrupt, or you can even have like a motorcyclist just like. Uh, coming uh, on, uh, come from you from the side mm, suddenly, mm. right? So, and some countries they are a bit more, um, a bit more, I would say, a bit more structured, but mm. they do have their own um uh, challenges. So, these are what makes um driving autonomous vehicle in urban areas, especially dense cities like Kuala Lumpur, a bit more difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, just before we wrap up, uh, uh, we we've got a few minutes left. Um, when it comes to 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 Rekha's kind of involvement in this research uh, within autonomous vehicles and artificial intelligence, where do you think you guys are sitting right now? Where where is your your priority of focus? Okay, so um, good question, uh, Richard. So um, technically, for our autonomous driving unit, we have two teams um, all are, that are working on two different things. Right, one is uh, what we call the passenger type. Um, vehicle and another type is the material type ve- uh, vehicle. So, um, obviously, for material type, we, we're talking about logistics mm-hmm. for warehousing, for factories where they need to use um, robots, smaller scale robotics to transport uh, goods or materials uh, within a, I would say, like an isolated or controlled environment. So, that's right. easier to handle in terms of the artificial intelligence and you have the, the commercial or the business sense uh, to it. And it actually helps a lot of uh, companies to actually manage their resources uh, much better. So that's would, one. Would that be something like in a warehouse or something like that? Yeah, or? warehouse or okay, in, okay. Cases in a um, in a compound, in a closed right, compound right. where you don't, wouldn't have a lot of human, a lot of pedestrians suddenly coming in and out. Mm-hmm. And it's a very much uh, focused kind of um, objective-driven uh, kind of driving where you need to transport a material from point A to point B, etc. So... Mm. That is uh, one path. The other path is a passenger type. So passenger type is what well, we're because we ourselves are not a uh, car manufacturer, right? So we work uh, with OEMs or manufacturers to actually uh, implement autonomous driving technology into their existing uh, vehicles, and from there they can um, put more uh, more services for their users or their customers. So this is where. Uh, we are um, focusing on right now in terms of the passenger class uh, vehicles. 
Mm-hmm. Brilliant stuff. Okay. Now, uh, final question then. Um, what, what's your next big step then? What's our next big step? In terms of autonomous vehicles? Yes. Are we going to see planes? Are we going to see that flying car here yet <laughs> as he, in Malaysia? How long do I have to keep drawing on that piece of paper? <laughs> um, I couldn't say much about flying cars. Um, uh-huh. but there's, there's a different challenge altogether. But but just technically speaking, in terms of the AI, if the AI driving a flying car would be much easier compared to driving on the road. Because, I agree. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, in the skies, you know, technically there's an open open right. Uh, space, right? Yeah. Uh, so roads is much more uh uh, challenging, and uh, if I can, if I meet, if I may, uh, our next meeting next year will be doing a lot of uh, po- uh, possible demonstrations um, and test drives on our new technology um, sometime in next year. So that's probably the next big thing, lah. Because part of what we want to do is that we want to advocate because before we deploy fleets or mass uh, autonomous vehicles technology, we want to have people to sort of like understand the implications and how this might help mm. so that you wouldn't have that a shock in terms of oh there's a lot of vehicles that are autonomous already mm-hmm, so you mm-hmm. get used to the technology before the technology actually rolls out yeah right Hazik thank you very much for your time today absolute pleasure speaking with you no problem thanks for having me as a Richard yeah. my pleasure Folks, I've been on the phone with Hazik Faris. He is the CEO of Reka. Um, if you haven't heard me tell you before, they are a research and development company that specializes in facilitating human technology interaction through IoT sensing, data visualizations, autonomous systems that are now in use within organizations across a variety of sectors. If you missed any part of this show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. I recommend that BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. My name is Rich Bradbury for Tech Talk here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.